can I um, just start by saying how much I'm enjoying looking at um, familiar passages on a Wednesday evening. Our group, you know, it's great to look at familiar passages, maybe parables, Bible verses, Bible stories that you've heard in the past and draw out some different truths or just remind ourselves again of some of the simple truths that Jesus, you know, spoke in simple ways to simple people. We are simple people. Um, Sorry if I'm going to burst some bubbles this evening about lots of things, but um, we are very simple people and it's simple for us to understand and I'm loving Wednesday nights and just looking at the amazing character and nature of God and just reminding ourselves of some of those foundation things of our faith and chatting about those together, about the nature of the God who loves us so deeply. And this evening I want to have a look at another familiar picture of God. Um, comes up time and time again in the Bible. And that is of God being our good shepherd. Our good shepherd. Now, this morning with the children, we looked at good shepherd. And where's Annie? Is Annie here tonight? Yeah. Annie is the expert at making sheep cake. So if you ever need a sheep cake, go and see Annie with lots of marshmallows. Sorry for sugar high children. We're not going to do that tonight. Um, But when I say the word shepherd, you probably have quite a childlike image in your head, don't we? If someone says to me the word shepherd... I immediately think of a beard, a tea towel on the head, yeah, dressing gowns, kind of clothes, crook in the hand. You know, that's how we sort of picture what a shepherd might look like. Okay, we have that kind of childlike image in our heads. But tonight I want to think not about the image of a shepherd, but about the characteristics, the role, the nature of what God, being our good shepherd, might look like for us today. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, it says this, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. And Peter wrote, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. What a lovely picture that is of God, the overseer of our souls. Isaiah also said, all of us like sheep have strayed away We have left God's paths to follow our own. And the image of God being like a good shepherd is kind of quite a nice one, isn't it? It's one that we like to have in our minds, that God is this good shepherd. And we quite like the idea of being like sheep. You know, quite a nice image. Apologies if you have one of these pictures in your house, you know, one of those ones of a blonde Jesus painted in pastels with the little lambs in his arms. Have you seen those pictures before? Yeah, those little ones that people put on their walls. Okay, Um, everyone each to their own. Um, They're cradling it, the lamb, little sheep in their arms, okay? And we like to have that picture of Jesus. Um, It brings comfort to us. We imagine this pastoral scene of rolling hills and lovely sheep and a shepherd keeping watch over the flock. What a lovely little image that we have, a beautiful picture of humanity in our minds. The truth is, and here's the bubble I'm going to burst this evening, okay? It wasn't actually that great to be compared to a sheep, 
okay? When Jesus compared to us to a sheep, it wasn't actually that great a picture. It's not something we should be feeling that great about, being a sheep, okay? Look at the person next to you and say, you are a sheep. You are a sheep, okay? The Bible likens us to a sheep for a very simple reason. Sheep are incredibly needy creatures. If you think about a sheep, they need a lot of care and attention, constant care and attention. Some animals, for instance, are pretty good at taking care of themselves. You know, like I feed my dog in the morning and the evening, and he goes outside for a weed. As long as I take him for a walk, he's pretty happy in the house. And cats, okay? Rosemary, block your ears for a moment. Cats. Why did God create cats, okay? What is the point of cats? They're kind of quite independent, aren't they? They kind of come in, go out, look after themselves, cats. And I look, Amy's nodding at me, and she's a veterinary nurse, so that's, that's kind of like a rubber stamp of approval on that. Cats, they take care of themselves, but sheep, on the other hand, are not one of those creatures that are very good at looking after themselves. They tend to wander off. They tend to get themselves into trouble. They don't go where they should go. They're vulnerable. They're defenseless. If you think about a sheep, a sheep doesn't have sharp claws. Okay? It has no sharp claws. So if something comes to attack it, it can't kind of claw it. It hasn't got sharp teeth. If something comes, it can't come give it a good bite. It hasn't got great running legs. Okay? In fact, it's a little bit... Um, top-heavy, if you like, like some of us. It's got short little legs, and it can't run very fast, and it's very fluffy, okay? A sheep really isn't very good at defending itself. Sheep need more attention than any other kind of livestock. They completely depend on their shepherd for sustenance, protection, guidance, and pretty much everything. A sheep is lost without its shepherd. That's why we were described as sheep. And while sheep are basically kind of quite alike in nature, each one can have its own distinct characteristics, okay? Things that they like and that they don't like. And the shepherd learns the unique trait of each of his sheep. So some sheep don't like to be up heights, so he wouldn't put it up on a hill on the top. Some don't like shadows, apparently, so the shepherd would be careful to keep it out of a shady place. Some sheep are afraid of the dark, apparently. Can you imagine that? And what would you do with a, shepherd, a sheep that's afraid of, the dark, afraid of the dark? Well, the shepherd knows all this, and he looks after the unique traits in his flock. The shepherd is important to the sheep. The sheep need their shepherd. So what role does the shepherd play? Philip Keller wrote a book, and he wrote it, and it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And he himself was a shepherd for some time, so he knew um, what he was writing about. And he wrote this. Because of their very makeup, it is almost impossible for sheep to be made to lie down. I didn't know that that sheep don't lie down very easily unless four requirements are met. There must be a definite sense of freedom from fear, freedom from tension, freedom from aggravations, and freedom from hunger. Sounds a bit like us, doesn't it? Can we go to sleep when we're afraid, when we're tense, when we're aggravated, when we're hungry? 
sounds a bit like us. Then Keller go, then goes on to say that it's only the shepherd who can provide relief from these anxieties. I was leading a funeral this week, and uh, as I was preparing, one very um, popular passage at funerals is, in fact, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The words of David comparing his relationship to God as that of the sheep and the shepherd. Probably he wrote that as he was looking out over his field of sheep, over his flocks that day. Only, only the person who says, the Lord is my shepherd, can then say, I shall not want. Only when we know the shepherd can we say, I shall not want. When God is not your shepherd, there will always be more that we are wanting. There'll always be something that we want. And it isn't wrong to want certain things in life or to look at something and think, I really want that. But sometimes the reason we want something or the reason we want someone is because there's this gap, this void in our life that only God, only the good shepherd can fill. And yet, even though we might know that, even though we may have discovered that truth, there is still a tendency in us to wander off. There's still a tendency in us to want to go astray. In Luke 15, Jesus tells the parable in which he portrays God as a shepherd seeking after a lost sheep. And I'm going to read it to you from Luke 15. It's the parable of the lost sheep. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I love that. This reminds me again that we all come to listen to God's word, don't we? All of us. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Have you ever been lost? Is there ever a time in your life where you've been physically lost, where you couldn't find your way? Right, tell the person next to you if you've ever been lost. If there's ever been a time when you've been lost. Okay, all right. Anyone got a good story of getting lost? Something funny? Anyone ever have been lost somewhere completely? There's a lot of chatter for no one, yeah? My mum got lost in the bat house in Jersey Zoo. How on earth did that happen? 
It was just so dark, you couldn't find your way out the bat house. Oh, very frightening. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Only my mother could get lost in the bat house in Jersey Zoo. Um, anyone else? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And you picked him up. Brilliant. Well done. Excellent. Lost and found right there. Anyone else? Got lost somewhere? No, well, we went to France um, when we were on holiday. Something about my mother. Never go with my mother. Um, we went on France on holiday when we were ch children. And um, we, they decided that it would be a good idea to, um, to hire a little boat. Okay, And so we went to this place. And we, honestly, I cannot tell you. These boats looked like something, I don't know, the ark would have been in better condition. They were, like, terrible. And uh, we got into these little, this little boat, and we were only young. And they, mum and dad, like, paddled us off into, the, into France, into the reeds. It was fantastic. And uh, then we were going for some time, and then we realised we had not a clue where we were. Okay, the reeds were, like, up here. There were these massive leeches, like, floating past the boat, thinking we're going to... And we were just lost. We were just lost in the middle of the these reeds with nobody knowing where we were way before the days of mobile phones and things. So we, the Lagupolos could have been out there forever. Anyway, it got quite, you know, getting quite dark and thinking, what do you do in the middle of France in this reed thing? So you just keep going, keep hoping. That, and eventually we found our way back somehow. The, guy, the people weren't worried. We'd come back hours later than we should have done. The whole little boat shed place is all locked up. There's no one there. They don't care that we're floating off around the reeds somewhere. There we were, lost in the middle of France, um, floating around the reeds. And it can be quite scary, can't it? Being lost is not a nice feeling. It's horrible. And you just, I am terrible at bearings. Absolutely awful. You know, it's one of my big things that I cannot do when we're on holiday. I could walk around the same square and I'd say to you, I haven't seen this before, wow, um, easy to take on holiday, I'm amazed at everything. Um, so, <laughs> oh, it's the Eiffel Tower. Oh, it's the Eiffel Tower, Mark, look at that. Oh, look at that big tower in the distance. Um, you know, like, I am that person, okay? But being lost, it's actually quite scary. And if you've lost someone, that's even worse. If you can't trying to find that person, isn't that terrible? In life, we get lost. We get lost. There are times when we get lost. And this parable is clearly a picture of God, our good shepherd, who's willing to search and look for us. He's willing to go and hunt for us. Our natural tendency is like sheep to go astray. Isn't it so easy to get distracted by something and you go looking off and before you do it, you don't know where you are. We go astray. And despite knowing that our shepherd constantly loves us, constantly provides for us, constantly is compassionate with us, we always look and think that the grass is greener over there. We think there's something better over there. But as Andy Wade, one of our good old leaders here at Shiloh, always says, it's never greener, it's just a different shade of brown. Isn't that true? It always is. It's never better, it's just a different shade of brown. Even when we go astray, what does the good shepherd do? He goes after us, and he goes after us until he finds us. Even if we've known his forgiveness... Even if we go astray, he won't let us go. He won't let you go. 
He will go after you, calling you back to repentance. It would have made sense, I think, in this parable, I would have written it, that the shepherd went and found the sheep and dragged him back, beating him with his stick for wandering off. But he didn't, did he? He didn't do that. Instead, Jesus said the shepherd will joyfully carry the sheep home on his shoulders. He will joyfully carry the sheep home. This is a picture of love and affection. The shepherd brings back that tired, malnourished, weary sheep. He's thirsty. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like that, that you're tired, you're worn out, you're in need of a good feed, you just need a little bit of comfort? You need that. You need someone to carry you. Freya said to me the other day, she said, sometimes I pretend to be asleep on the sofa so that daddy will carry me up the stairs and put me in bed. Isn't that true? Sometimes we want that little bit of comfort where we're carried and we're taken along. This is a beautiful picture of God carrying us even when we have fallen. In Psalm 28, David wrote, Save your people, bless Israel, your special possession. Lead them like a shepherd and carry them in your arms forever. And the wonderful thing that God has done is that he hasn't just promised to do this when we're young, fit and healthy at the start of our journey of faith and life, but also until the end. I love this verse. It's meaning more and more to me as the years go on. Isaiah 46, verse 4. I will be your God throughout your lifetime. Until your hair is white with age, I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. He doesn't say, I'm going to go after the young lamb who's got lots of life left in him, lots of spring in him, lots of of good things ahead of him. I'll go after the lamb because he's still got lots of potential. What he says is even the old, even the frail, even the slightly battered, even the scarred, even the haggard, even the old sheep, I will carry them home joyfully on my shoulders and I will save you. Jesus finished his parable by saying there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Can you see the similarity from Wednesday night when we were looking at the story of the prodigal son? The son who returned home, the rejoicing and the reaction of the other son. Can you see the similarities here between the two sons? Which one is all of heaven rejoicing over? the one that was lost and has been found, the one who has come home. Jesus says, one lost sinner, one person is important to God. One person, each of us, is important to God. And it brings joy to him when one lost person comes to repentance. The word repentance, we don't use it very much anymore. But to repent means more than just regretting doing something. Regretting doing something is the kind of sadness people feel for having to face their consequences. They're sad because they've got consequences of their actions. But once those consequences have gone, quite often we'll go back and do it again. But repentance is when we are really broken-hearted. When we're broken-hearted... That kind of sorrow, the Bible says, will lead us to repentance. If our hearts are broken, then our behavior will be broken and our attitudes 
will also be broken. Finally, the greatest role of a shepherd, and we read it before, was to protect his sheep at all costs. At all costs. A shepherd would be willing to give his life to protect his flock of sheep. He'd be willing to sacrifice his own life in order that their sheep might live. I read a true story about a man who operated a drawbridge. And at a certain time, every day, he raised the bridge so that the ferry boat could go by, and then he lowered it in time for the passenger train to cross over. He performed this task precisely at the right moment every day, according to the clock. One day, he brought his son to work so that he could watch what his father did. As his father raised the bridge, the boy got excited and wanted to take a closer look. His father realized his son was missing and began looking for him. To his horror, his son had come dangerously close to the bridge's gears. Frantic, he wanted to go to rescue him. But if he left the controls, he would not get back in time to lower the bridge for the approaching passenger train. He faced a dilemma. If he lowered the bridge, his son would be killed. If he left it raised, hundreds of others would die. He knew what he had to do. With tears streaming down his face, he watched the passenger train roll by. On board, two women chatted over tea. Others were reading newspapers. All were totally unaware of what had just transpired. The man cried out, don't you realize that I just gave my son for you? But they just continued on their way. This is a true story, and it's a story of the picture of what happened on the cross for each one of us. God gave up his beloved son, Jesus, so that we might live. But most people don't even give it a second thought. But what about you? What about you this evening? Maybe you've been like the wandering sheep in the parable that Jesus told. You've been looking for fulfillment. You've known you've gone off from the protection of the good shepherd. But until you say, the Lord is my shepherd, you will never say, I shall not want. We need to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want everything that I find, everything that I need is found in the good shepherd. There is nothing that this world offers that will satisfy that deep void inside. Nothing that is except a relationship with Jesus Christ. God, our good shepherd, gave his son Jesus so that we, his flock, might know life and life in all its fullness. And this evening, I would like us to respond to that incredible love. 
and we're going to take communion together. Well, we're not going to take it together. We're going to take it individually, actually, this evening on our own. I have placed communion cups all around. They're all around the room. They're all around the church. They're in the back hall. They're in the, they're in the foyer. They're along the windowsills. You have to go hunting. They're on the tops. They're all around. They're all around the balcony. They're all around the top there. And I apologize. Please don't grumble at me. They've got the wafer because we're using these up. And also, I can't put bread everywhere. <laughs> okay, so we're going to use these up today. Um, but they work really well for this. Okay, because what I'd like us to do is we're going to take communion. We're going to do it in our own time. We're going to wander around to find them because we wander off, don't we? We wander. And maybe you want to wander into the back hall. Maybe you want to wander into the foyer. We wander around. But when we wander, who do we find there? We find Jesus. We find Jesus wanting to carry us back, carry us back to the Good Shepherd, carrying us home in celebration. So what I'm going to encourage you to do is Adrian's going to play some music and then just wander around, find one. If you're unable to, to move from your seat, just tap someone next to you and we'll bring you one, okay? But there are lots around. And take communion in your own time. And then I'm going to ask the band to be playing and we'll come back together and we'll worship and we'll worship and we'll celebrate. It's with great joy that Jesus carries us back home, that we can come into the presence of God. So let me just pray, and then we'll take communion. Father God, I thank you that you are our good shepherd. Thank you that everything we need is found in you. Thank you that because of Jesus, that void, that hole in our lives that we so desperately try to fill with other things, is satisfied because we are created to be in relationship with you. And thank you that that's only possible because you sent Jesus, your son, to die in our place so that we can have that freedom, live in that freedom and in that relationship with you. Help us not to take this for granted and not to take it lightly the gift of the sacrifice that you made for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.